This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Getting you set for some spring football tonight on USF Bulls Unlimited. Hopefully you can make it out to Corbett Soccer Stadium. It should be an awesome crowd. And if you're a USF football fan, boy, are you going to see everywhere you turn a past great, not just during the course of the game, but during halftime. We'll give you the full layout. We'll also hear from a couple of assistant coaches that spoke to the media this week, namely Matt Merritt, who is the well, he's the associate head coach, along with being the run game coordinator. And James Rowe, the former USF baseball player who was at the school during the time of the football program, really kicking it into high gear and turned back into a football coach. He'll give you the whole rundown and a rundown of some of the safety standouts. That's the position he coaches here. That's coming up in our first segment. We did not have a show yesterday. Got home late from DeLand, although it was definitely worth the drive over there. We will give you some highlights, though, and a part of my conversation with Vivian Pond because, well, she was the star of the day. The Bulls are off this weekend, and I cannot wait until Monday's American Athletic Conference Weekly Honors to see if Vivian Pond is maybe the player of the week in a week where there are going to be three conference series and the Bulls aren't playing in any of them. And in fact, a week where they only played one day's worth of games, a doubleheader, but what she did should get her player of the week. I'll explain with some audio evidence in our second block. We'll also preview this weekend's baseball series. We are not doing any broadcast because the team is in Houston, but still an important, very important series. Good news with track and field as well. And an update on the men's basketball roster, if you haven't noticed it. It's kind of interesting. And in our second block is when we'll tell you the latest on tennis. The women lost in the Warren I-4 Thursday, but I'll explain how it's a positive. Believe me, I can do that for you. And then today, the men wrap up their regular season while the women wrap it up at home tomorrow. We'll start off with the spring game format for tonight. If you can't make it, we will have the broadcast for you live on USF Bulls Unlimited. It'll be Jim Lighthall and myself calling the play-by-play from up in the booth, such that is the booth at Corbett Soccer Stadium. We'll actually be catty-cornered on the outside there, so come by and tap us on the shoulder. Don't necessarily say hi because you might interrupt the play-by-play call, but yeah, we'll definitely say hi to you. Ryan Urquhart will be the third member of our broadcast crew down on the sidelines, and he will be busy. (laughs) There's not only going to be action to call, but there's going to be plenty of chances for interviews with a long list of famous Bulls alumni that we'll give you a little bit of a glimpse into, but remember the gates open at 5 o'clock. There's going to be a kid zone. There's going to be Four different food trucks. Don't just show up a couple minutes before kickoff. You'll miss a lot. I'm actually looking at an internal memo which shows where everything is mapped out. I see a little space for the band, so you're going to have that going on. It's going to feel like a real game. It'll kick off at 7.02. There will be four 15-minute quarters running clock except for the last two minutes of each half. In case, of course, they want to do some two-minute drills. doesn't look like there'll be kickoff, so every drive will start on the 25 but if there is a drive that does not end in any points you will punt and the field will flip and the next offensive unit will take it from the spot of the return it does sound like it will not be a score kept kind of situation in other words last year i believe it was green versus white whatever the color designations of the teams you had them actually split into teams that way this is just going to be offense versus defense 
You're going to have mix and matches as far as who's on each unit. And again, no score will be kept. We'll have stats for you and that kind of thing. But you can't keep score when you don't have a, quote, green team and a white team. If it's just offense against defense, sure, you could come up with some system where the defense concocts some points. But it does that really tell you what's going on? Just watch the game, either in person. It's also on ESPN+. Plus, But, of course, we will have the audio broadcast on USF Bulls Unlimited. And if you can't be tuned in tonight, don't worry. We will replay it plenty for you throughout the weekend. So the halftime show. The coaches alone are probably going to provide some interview subjects. Sam Barrington, of course, will have his microphone occupied. He'll be doing the TV cast along with Jim Lauk and Joey Johnston. But he, Ernest Johnson, now of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Kawika Mitchell, Marshall Smith, who was on that original team, and Mitchell Wilcox are your coaches for the green team as far as the halftime flag football alumni game. These guys could play, obviously, but they're just going to be coaching. The gold team, how about Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Super Bowl champ, Mike Jenkins, Tyrone McKenzie and Leroy Selman Jr. The players on the green team include one B.J. Daniels, who I think will probably end up being the signal caller. Ooh, Andre Davis, he can catch some passes. It's going to be seven on seven, and you're actually going to have some offensive linemen. Everyone is eligible for a pass. We've got the whole rules, but we'll save that until halftime when we do the broadcast. I'm guessing on the gold team, we could see Quentin Flowers throwing the ball. Matt Grothy is also on that squad. Anthony Henry, S.J. Green, Andre Hall toting the pill, I'm sure, a few times. It's going to be fun, and again, Ryan Urquhart will be grabbing plenty of interviews down on the sidelines throughout the course of our broadcast. One of the new assistant coaches that you're going to hear from actually harkens back to those old-school days of USF football, but let's go with the one who has associate head coach next to his title, Matt Merritt, specifically in charge of running backs and the run game last year, worked at Georgia Southern as a running backs coach. Prior to that, was a senior analyst at Tennessee, of course, alongside a goalish before that. Well, you'll hear the school that he mentions that he was with before that. Also, a team that was playing for a national championship in 2019, that's James Madison. They were 10th nationally running the ball. He was also part of a national championship D1 staff at Ohio State in 2015. So Coach Merritt first on his relationship with Golish, which obviously led to him being the USF running backs coach, but also good stuff here on what he knows about the program. Me and Coach Golish, we've known each other. We met back in uh, 2020. He actually hired me um, at the school of I-4 when I was at JMU, and then when we all went to Tennessee, took me with him as a senior analyst. So we've stayed in touch pretty well that year as a senior analyst at Tennessee. I spent a lot of time with him game planning especially on the Sundays, a lot of hours just me and him in his office watching tape. So just got to grow and got really close. So when he made the call to me, it was really a no-brainer. You know, I've always believed in him and everything he's done and what he stands for philosophically, how he sees running a program, how an offense is run, just how you build a culture really fits who I am as well. So it was really a no-brainer from that standpoint with him. On top of that, I, I've known a little bit about South Florida. I've always kind of watched it from afar, and I know that this place really is a gold mine, and it has all the resources you want, need to be successful, and it's also been done in the past. So you know there is a track record of success here. So knowing what Coach Golish can do, what he brings to the table, how he builds a program, you know, in addition to what this place is and can be, really was an absolute no-brainer for me. This was on Tuesday at the Indoor Performance Facility. Joey Johnston was there and perceptively picked up on that whole link to the past and wanted to get a response from Coach Merritt about, you know, what needs to happen for the Bulls to return to that glory. I think with anything, alignment from the top down, from the administration all the way down to the 
student managers who help set up the field on game day or in practice. Like everyone has to be going in the same direction, pulling in the same direction. There has to be uh, a natural respect for each other, knowing that if something is messed up, that I feel confident myself to be able to tell you this is wrong. And if you to feel confident enough to know that I'm not attacking you, but we're all just trying to go in the same direction. When you have that alignment, you're allowed each other to be accountable. So from that standpoint, uh, that's the number one piece of it. And the other piece of it, just of anything else, for players just to know that you believe in them as more than just a football player. The best places I've been around, the most, some of the most successful players I've either had myself or have seen, even myself, and I think back to my coaches, it's been people that have generally cared about them more than just what they can do you know, in that 100-yard box. So showing them that love, having that alignment from the top, all that coupled together, pushing the same direction is the piece of it. And then obviously the resources as well. You know, I know we're building this on-campus stadium that's coming up. Something like that will be crucial for recruiting as well, where the game is going, things like that matter. You know what I mean? So you're going to need those types of things as well. So, but you see the alignment from the administration, the commitment to success here with something like that, with this beautiful indoor that we're standing in. So things are, uh, are going in that direction. The alignment is there. Now it's just a matter for us all to do our single every, our job every single day. He added that it just comes up naturally in recruiting, the indoor performance facility and, of course, the on-campus stadium. And a couple nice things to have in your back pocket when you're trying to get someone to come play with the Bulls. Now, actually, on his players, the Bulls, as you know, lost some big-time running backs. Brian Batty, namely, is at Auburn, Jared Mangum, now at Michigan State. So, Coach, who are some of the guys that are standing out in this spring? Really, a bunch of them. You know, obviously, Naquan Wright and Kelly Joyner have stood out. Michael Dukes, um, extremely talented, has stood out as well. Kwan Powell, who I know is coming off an injury, um, is really growing. He is extremely talented, um, still developing in a lot of ways. As a runner, is pretty good, developing in pass pro, but he, he's got a really, really bright future. And there's been some young guys as well. Um, really a guy like Yasai Young, who's a walk-on here, who's, who's caught the eyes of some of us. The One of those names that we haven't seen in a Bulls uniform anyway, we saw him score a touchdown against the Bulls for the Florida Gators last year. Naquan Wright, big 5'9", 205-pounder. What about him, Coach? Really the first few months just trying to find his place, where he fits in. Um, in the beginning, has done all the things you want him to do as far as just coming in, learning it. But really where it's really, he's really started to stand out here recently is his leadership ability. Now he's gotten more comfortable, he's gotten to know more of the guys on the team really stepping up from that standpoint, not just in our room, but also with the whole offense and the team. You've seen a lot in practice in the team settings and the competition settings and the scrimmages, you know, just with the ups and downs that you have throughout practice. He's always one of the guys that are there is motivating people, cheering people on, picking people up when they seem down, and sometimes lighting a fire under somebody's butt when that needs to be done too. So from that standpoint, it's been great. As far as his talent goes, he's extremely intelligent. He's got a really high football IQ. Um, so he's had no problem picking it up and, uh, really understands what's happening up front in the run game, understands the schemes, where it's supposed to hit. And in the pass protection, really understands blitzes and safety rotation and where pressure can be coming from. So it's been really, really a joy from that standpoint to have him. He's been a great addition to the room, especially with the leadership ability. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And one more from Coach Merritt on the attributes of a running back. Namely, it sounds like you got to be able to do a little bit of everything because in this offense, apparently, not a lot of time to be swapping guys in and out of play, at least during the course of a drive. Especially in today's game, with it becoming more of a passing game, the, the days of where all you do is line up in the affirmation and just tote the rock 40 times is over. I, I played in those days, and they were, they were fun, but the reality is not where we are. So you need a guy that you really don't have to take off the field 
that can do everything. Running the ball is obviously a prerequisite to play running back. It's probably the number one. But you have to be able to protect the quarterback as well, keep him clean and comfortable. And then if you can also catch out of the backfield, whether it's just throwing you the ball from the backfield or lining you up in the slot, you know, in some empty formations and throwing you the ball, you want to be able to do all those things, especially with our tempo, subbing isn't something that you do on the regular. You know, on a normal slow down huddle offense, you can be in personnel packages in and out. You may have a package for this guy five play set and this guy two play set, but with our tempo, how we play, you really need a guy that can do everything. So what I'm always looking for is somebody that can obviously tote the rock, create on his own, but also be able to not just protect the quarterback, but also understand where the blitzes are coming from. And then if you can also catch out of the backfield, you know, that's a bonus. But more than anything, those first two, you have to be able to protect. And that's really one of the big sticking points for us in our room. We talk about being 100% on pass protection is one of our core values, and it gets graded every day. So the ability to be able to keep the quarterback clean and comfortable and knowing where it's coming from is crucial. Yesterday, James Rowe, who is the safeties coach and former pitcher for the USF Bulls, he was a reliever, actually got five saves in 2005, was with the team for three years. He was a quarterback at Cocoa High School, went 10-1. and His senior season was an All-State quarterback, but again, came to the Bulls as a pitcher. So first of all, how he got back into coaching, and by the way, he has been firmly back into coaching. He's about to tell you the start of his return to football, namely in a coaching spot. He went a few years out of college into Jacksonville University as that program was getting going. He was the defensive backs coach there, defensive coordinator, ended up as a GA at Florida in 2015, defensive coordinator at D2 Power Valdosta State, and recently was the defensive backs coach with the Chicago Bears. So what originally got him back into coaching and then James Rowe on getting the USF job. You know, obviously my baseball career had just ended here. My little brother was playing uh, football back in my hometown, and I was back home on the sidelines, same system that I played quarterback in. And um, they were playing against Titusville High School, and I suggested a play. And then the next week the head coach asked my dad if I'd come back and be up top in the booth and help call the plays. So that kind of started my coaching career. I'd drive back from Tampa to Cocoa on the weekends and, and help call plays. You know, obviously I went to school here, played baseball, um, you know, so I always kept a close eye on the program, and, you know, I had some connections to Kevin Patrick. He was here coaching football when I was playing baseball, and then I had some connections to Coach Orlando um, in different ways. And um, honestly, you know, as, as all the hiring process was going on, I kind of knew that the timing felt more right than ever for me to come back home, and uh, everything worked out and found a way to do it. I didn't even know this until we started coaching together, but one of the guys I worked for at the Washington Commanders Actually, one of his first D1 jobs was for Coach Orlando, so a lot of the same language, a lot of ties there. Um, you know, and I've just been learning a lot from him and seeing how he runs things and does things. And, you know, he's an old-school linebacker guy, you know what I mean, tough. You know, so hopefully our defense will take on his persona and, and be tough and, and physical like that as well. Love that stuff on Coach Orlando. Two more from Coach Rowe here. First of all, on his football memories from his time as a baseball player. Again, he was here in 2007, so some good memories and then a few of the leaders at his position that he coaches, namely the safety position on this current staff. I remember Ray J being packed out. I remember Jesse Hester's touchdown against Auburn in overtime to kind of get things rolling that season. I actually told my players about that story, quizzed them on it. 
But, you know, just a lot of guys. I was friends with a lot of the guys. Um, I was roommates with Danny Verpel. We grew up together, and he played on that team. Ricardo Cabrera was another roommate of mine. Mike Jenkins has come out to eat with us, uh, with the players. We got a lot of ex-players come back, you know, and so it's cool for me as well, you know, seeing those guys that I was friends with when I was in school. Barry Hill and uh, Stokes, you know, they've, from day one, show leadership qualities. Um, we have some other veteran guys in the room like Curry, Will Jones, um, that show a lot of leadership qualities. So, you know, it's kind of good for me coming from, you know, coaching professionals and then coming to a veteran room that, you know, I get to be around guys that had the type of maturity that I've, you know, been used to. Two of the coaches that will be checking out tonight might even have a chance to talk to the head coach, Alex Golish, after the spring game, in fact. You can pretty much count on that. We'll have the coverage for you beginning 6.45. If you are there and can't listen, that's fine. We'll replay it for you plenty throughout the weekend. Yesterday, we had plenty of replays of a crazy day in softball. Some of those highlights coming up in our second segment, along with the preview of the baseball weekend. And remember, we end the hour going around the American for what is happening, well, elsewhere around the American. We also wanted to give you an update on the men's basketball roster, and you might want to prepare yourself. If you've been following along, you already knew this, but one thing that you should probably do every now and then, maybe daily, is head to GoUSFBulls.com and click on the men's basketball roster as it updates. You know Amir Abdul-Rahim is going to be getting players from his former stop, Kennesaw State, and some of those have announced their official decisions, but we will wait until they're official before we start talking about them. But right now, if you look at the roster, just three individuals. That would be Selton Miguel, Corey Walker Jr., and Sam Hines Jr., so no Russell Chiwa, no Ryan Conwell, no Jameer Chaplin, who, by the way, I passed the other day at the Publix on campus, and he smiled at me and waved at me. These aren't hateful departures. This is just people taking advantage of the transfer portal. But right now, only three members of last year's team, it appears, are going to be on the next version of the men's basketball team. Still plenty of show to come with tennis, with softball, and with baseball, along with track and field. The latest on all of those sports coming your way next on Bulls Beat. Stay tuned.